Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, live from Los Angeles. Breaking news as we start NBA Today. Adrian Wojnarowski with the latest on Ben Simmons and his paycheck. Plus, the Lakers' fourth quarter woes continue. OKC mounts a thunderous comeback while Russ misses with the game on the line. Plus, the latest on the NBA's investigation into Suns owner Robert Sarver. Brian Windhorst is in Phoenix and joins us. NBA Today starts right now. Happy Friday, everyone. I'm Malika Andrews, joined by Richard Jefferson in that jacket and Tim Legler in a more subtle jacket. Zach Lowe and Brian Windhorst will join us shortly, but we're going to start with news out of Philadelphia this morning. Adrian Wojnarowski and Ramona Shelburne reported earlier this week that the 76ers were growing increasingly frustrated <laughs> with Ben Simmons really? after he refused to accept the organization's help in addressing his mental readiness to play. The Sixers had stopped fining Simmons, remember, after he told them on October 22nd that he wasn't mentally ready to play. But today, that changed. And so for more on that, we now welcome in senior NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski. Woj, you reported today that the 76ers fined Ben Simmons $360,000 for missing Thursday's game and plan to continue to fine him. Why? Uh, Malika, the, the, the Sixers believe that they have uh, been sensitive. They've been understanding of uh, Ben Simmons's, ben Simmons's you know, concerns over his readiness mentally to play and they've wanted to help they've offered assistance uh and ben simmons hasn't accepted any of it and you know also the fact that they have not been able to get ben simmons to meet with their own doctors uh to get an evaluation on ben simmons to start to try to get toward a plan of action uh to try to get him um the help he needs and back on the court and they've not gotten information from him about uh, where he is meeting, uh, he, he had said that he was meeting with a, a, a specialist through the Players Association, uh, and the Sixers wanted more information on that. So uh, they feel they're in a position now where they have no choice uh, but to uh, find Ben Simmons for each game missed now, and also for the other basketball activities that they had stopped finding him for. He has been coming to the facility he has been doing you know, some level of activity, but there are things like strength, strength and conditioning, film session, showing up at some practices, shoot-arounds uh, that hasn't consistently happened. And the Sixers plan, I'm told, to start finding him uh, for those instances too. So finding him until potentially that behavior changes, until they see something different there. So what, what, are, what are the next steps then? Well... This back and forth has obviously been going on, you know, certainly since Ben Simmons came back, uh, reported to training camp after missing the first couple weeks. Uh, but listen, the one thing that hasn't changed over these four months, Ben Simmons wants a trade out of Philadelphia. Uh, that's certainly at the core of this. You know, the Sixers want to find a trade, but right now, you know, as we've discussed at length, 
you know, there is not a marketplace where the Sixers feel they can get back, you know, the kind of value they're going to want to trade Ben Simmons, a player who's got four years left on his deal. And so, you know, right now it puts the onus back on Ben Simmons. He can certainly file a grievance with the Players Association uh, about the fines that are uh, now being levied on him. But there was a window here where Ben Simmons was being paid to stay away, to, to not be uh, part of it full-time day in and day out. And so, um, you know, this back and forth between the Sixers and Ben Simmons will continue. And I think the next day to really look at, uh, when, you, when you think about the trade front, December 15th, when players who signed free agent deals this summer, they become eligible to be included in trades. And that opens up a bigger marketplace uh, of players available to be moved. And so I think right now you know, the Sixers have been relatively quiet on the trade front and conversations you know, certainly have not gained any traction anywhere. So you know, these two sides for John and you know, the relationship continues obviously uh, to be in tatters between these two sides. Absolutely. And you mentioned those fines. We will have more on this developing story later in the show with Bobby Marks. Thank you so much, Woj. Thanks, Malika. And now to the Los Angeles Lakers. L.A. hosted the Thunder last night. LeBron was out with an abdominal strain, and it's safe to say that they probably needed him. They didn't need him. Uh, they just needed to play better. Okay. Well, maybe a little bit of everything. There he is. He was on the sidelines. Dave McMenamin reporting that they're going to take his time, bring him back. So this is early. Russ. He hits that shot, but this is a little bit familiar. It's a familiar story because remember back on October 27th, the Lakers blew a 26-point oh. lead to the Thunder. Darius Baisley had that dunk. Russell Westbrook got angry. He was ejected from that game. So in this game, let's go back to Thursday. They were up by 19, but in the fourth quarter, the Thunder are now down just one. Shea Gillis-Alexander, Kenrich Williams, you know he finishes that. Thunder with their first lead of the game. So over a minute left, Thunder up three. Look at where Shea pulls up They from. have nothing to lose, Malika. They have nothing to lose. They are playing free basketball. So like he could just pull up there. That's not a good shot for anybody. Well, Shea lets him hear it. Russell Westbrook attacks here late in the game, but he loses the ball out of bounds. That is Westbrook's fifth turnover in crunch time this season, tied for most in the end. He tied? One thing you can't survive, Richard, you can't survive turnovers. Get something well, up on the rim. You also can't survive this. Uh, Take a look. He, Russell Westbrook leaves Lou Dort, who just finishes that two-handed jam. Russell's a hero, but he was trying to make it up right there. That defense looked like a middle school game. Mm -hmm. So, here's a little bit of hero. Ensuing Lakers possession, Carmelo Anthony. He was hot all night and drains the three. The Lakers are not going away. They trail by one. So, this is the last Last chance for LA here. Russell Westbrook, he pulls up, but he clanks the three that would have been the tie. Lakers blow yet another big lead to the Thunder. Los Angeles falls 107-104. The last couple plays, the turnover, the three-point shot, a couple other possessions there for you guys. What happened with those two uh, last few plays for you? What do you mean? I'm sorry, the, the ball stepped out of your hand when you were trying to get to the basket on the last play? Were you foul? Were you... Did he took the ball out of your hand? No, you saw it. Don't ask me a question you know the answers to. You've well, seen it. I'm just trying to get the answer out of you, that's all. No, no. Just watch the game. you see seen what happened. Lost the ball. I missed the three. It's not nothing to it. I mean, anytime you missing a guy like LeBron, it's, you, you still have to make those adjustments. <clears throat> you know, guys got to do things that maybe that's not called upon them to do when we have, when we have a guy like LeBron out there. But... For the most part, is you know we, we shouldn't have lost this one. 
I mean, it, it ain't come down to LeBron not being here. We, we, we let this one go again. We, we, shouldn't have, we shouldn't have lost this one. They shouldn't have lost this one. So because we have a stat on everything, yes, the Thunder became just the fifth team in the last 25 single seasons to win multiple games versus a single opponent after trailing by at least 19 in both games. How's that for specifics? SGA went off in both of those contests, leading OKC to its only two wins of the season in these comeback victories. So there's a lot to unpack here with the Lakers. Tim, I, I see you with an iPad in yeah, hand. That, yeah, means, yeah. that means it's dangerous and you got something to show. Yeah, us. we got to make this thing sing a little bit. All right, all right, all right let's listen. go take a look. Look, look, look. So, look, this isn't going to be all about Russ, but the bottom line is, Richard, some of the decision-making late in the game, it, it cost them an opportunity. And I'm, I'm going to show you really what Russell Westbrook was looking at, maybe what he should have been looking at. So let's start here. It's very important to notice, so people are aware, right? So you got a two-point game with 27.8. That's a ton of time. Lots of time. You, right. you're, you're not in a hurry. You don't have to rush, but it's about processing the defense. So here's the first thing to look at. As this ball comes off the floor, let's get it going. He's looking now. Let's stop it. Now, first off, Take a look at Carmelo Anthony, right? Hands in the air, he's been hot. So right, and Russ is looking in that direction. So he's he's processing what's on the weak side of the floor. You've also got a shooter here, Avery Bradley running to the corner. But here's the key. In order to get one of those guys a shot, you have got to engage the top defender. This ball has to be taken right here, back to the middle. And now you've got to make one of these two weak side defenders react to you. And when they do, you now have an easy decision on the weak side. So as he gets right here, there is still time for Russ to take this ball to the middle of the floor. And if you can just get one of these guys to commit. Hands are still open by Carmelo. That's it. He's still waving. If the back line guy comes, it's an easy kick to the corner. If that doesn't happen, you want to drive middle if you're Russ? Let's get the top defender then to come pinch. If that's the case, again, easy decision on the kickout. The problem is Russ takes it too deep, too far, too many dribbles, and now he ends up in this situation. One, two, three, four, five defenders in the paint. He doesn't put the ball in his left hand. You don't even get a shot attempt. So, Rich, it's just bad execution and a really unfortunate turnover right there. Now, this one, Russ is now thinking, man, I turn the ball over, I got to make up for it. He's in a good spot here. You got a denial. They're in good position right here. Guy breaking into the backcourt, you got a denial there. Now, here's something that has nothing to do with Westbrook that they mess up. On this screen right here, and SGA comes in this direction, that's an easy switch. Carmelo Anthony has to switch to deny this. But watch what happens. As he comes off, both defenders stay Wait, with the screener. SGA is open right there. He had a layup dunk they could have. He, he could have. But yeah. he's thinking, let's play the free throw game. Mm -hmm. So what does he do? He breaks out here and they get it in. But now watch what happens. You're still in good shape if you're the Lakers. So SGA is going to try to dribble some clock, but as he brings it over, I mean, there's a lot of options here. You can get a trap here if you want to. He brings it over. You can get a trap here if you want to and try to make them pass the ball a couple times. The one thing you can't do, if you're Russell Westbrook, who is here, and this is your man, you cannot now get in a situation where you are chasing the basketball and you give a guy a free run to the rim and give up an easy dunk in a two-point game with 15 seconds left. Cannot happen. And that's Russell just trying to make up for the turnover. And now this last one, I don't have a huge problem with it other than this. Richard, can you explain to me why is Russell Westbrook catching the ball at the foul line with all this space with seven seconds left? There's no reason for him to catch the ball in this area of the floor with seven seconds. He could have caught the ball literally up here. And it gives you more options now of what you can do. Now, 
The rest of this, I think, is Frank Vogel. This is just a really poorly designed play. Like, here's the screen. They're trying to get Melo coming up, but look what Russ is looking at. I mean, he's looking in that direction. He sees it. The problem is, Rich, here's what he sees. Four defenders mm. and three offensive players. There's, it's just too crowded to try to throw the ball cross court. It's just a really poorly designed play. So, of course, what Russ is going to do, he's going to say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and launch this up because I know I can get this shot off. Very good contest by Dort. You don't get a quality possession. Hey, look, a lot of that looks like you're beating up Russell Westbrook. He and I have talked about this off the air. We love his competitive spirit, but sometimes the decision-making hurts you. And this is where LeBron James is on the floor. It's a little bit different. The ball's in his hands. Right? Absolutely. Well, and, and, and then really quickly, the Lakers need Russell Westbrook. That's oh, that. Sure. That's, like, I, look, I know there was conversation of this. The reason why you needed him is like Anthony Davis in this game was a minus 14. Mm. He put up big numbers, but they need someone to control the pace, especially when LeBron James is out. They don't necessarily, they just need him to play better. And these are little things that are controllable. He's got to get into a rhythm, but yep. they're in a good spot, but oh, they yeah. definitely need him to play a lot better. Guys, I do want to bring in Zach here because yeah. we have spent so much time Hi, talking Zach. about the Lakers, but Zach, I gotta get your thoughts. Give a little bit of shine to SGA. Yeah, it's all Lakers, Lakers, little Lakers. It can't all <laughs> oh, be Lakers. Oh, Lakers. Xander, 28 points on 17 shots pulled up from the logo. Guys, he had on a pick and roll in the fourth quarter a crossover into splitting defenders into a Euro step lefty finish where I screamed so loud I think I woke my wife up. It was so beautiful. The guy is <laughs> averaging 24 points a game on 46% shooting, 39% from three. He's playing good defense. You saw the spirit, the fist pumping, the screaming last night. We haven't seen a lot of that out of him. He is growing in to an all-star level player, a centerpiece player for the Thunder. That's something that they can really pin their pin to their hat going forward. Josh Giddy is for real, he's good, but SGA, all the attention's been on John Morant, and deservedly so, but this guy is a stud. Yeah, the, the one thing that I would add is that SGA and this Oklahoma City team would be amazing if they played the Lakers every game. <laughs> well, Particularly with those kind that. of late-game possessions, you're 100% right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, SGA stepped up when you needed it, and also, I mean, I was in the building last night. Every time he would come up for a shot, the building just collectively deflated. That's the type of respect that he was getting. Mm -hmm. All right, coming up on NBA Today, we go live to Phoenix for the latest on Robert Sarver, hear from Chris Paul and Monty Williams, and it's the top of the top. Let's go! The best from around the NBA on Thursday night. Plus, we are about to witness another Warriors dynasty. We examine why the Warriors have their strength in numbers. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Live from Los Angeles, welcome back to NBA Today. 
Welcome back to NBA Today. It's been 27 hours since Baxter Holmes' bombshell report on Suns owner Robert Sarver and the culture he created around the organization dropped. The report alleges a history of racism and misogyny from Sarver, and since that report became public, there have been numerous statements released from the key parties, Sarver, the Suns, and former head coach Earl Watson. But last night, we heard from the current team, starting with head coach Monty Williams. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. It's a lot to process. Um, there's so many things there. And it's for me, it's still not clear as far as the facts are concerned. Um, <clears throat> as, as someone who's a caretaker of the program, um, I find all of these things that are being said serious um, in nature and, you know, these allegations are, you know, sensitive is, is an understatement. At the same time, um, they're just not clear yet. You know, an article was written, um, many opinions were shared, uh, many feelings were shared, um, but all of it happened before I was here. And based on what you all know about me, um, the little you know about me, um, if any of that stuff happened while I was here, I wouldn't be in this seat. I wasn't aware of the situation, and my seven years I've been here, you know, I haven't noticed that, but that doesn't, you know, make me insensitive to the subject. And, you know, I think the NBA open investigation, they're going to do their due diligence of, you know, bringing out facts instead of he said, she said. and. You know, I'm sure the NBA has it in good hands and do the proper research to, you know, find out the truth. You know, we're not insensitive to everything that was said or whatnot, but, you know, we don't know all the details, right? So the NBA will do its investigation, and in that time, all of us on our team will continue to, to play and do what we do. We now welcome in senior writer Brian Windhorst, who's been all over the fallout from this story. Brian, how did the Suns leaders handle the accusations towards Sarver? Well, you could see there from the way Monty Williams handled it, it he was pained, he was stressed, he was unhappy that he was put in that position. Um, but really what he said was, we're going to let the NBA do its job. You know, Malika, I really felt that Monty Williams was in position to completely control how this was going to go for the Suns and really across the league. 
He had not spoken about this when the Suns initially made statements about this two weeks ago. He, he withheld his comments until he saw the story. Uh, they did not have shoot-around availability, so he had all day to think about this. And the way he was going to handle this going out um, was going to affect the way the rest of his players did. Even Devin Booker, after the game against the Rockets last night, said that they were monitoring and watching what Monty said in the locker room as he was speaking to the media before the game. So when Monty came out and said, I'm just not sure where the truth is here. It's, there's two sides of the story, and we're going to let the NBA figure it out. That really empowered uh, this, the rest of the Suns players to feel the same way. And Chris Paul and Devin Booker came out three hours later and echoed him. And that's where the Suns are. The Suns are troubled by this, but they don't know which side is correct, and so they're going to let a third party, a lawsuit hi or a law firm hired by the NBA, to try to figure out what the truth is. You mentioned the reaction for the rest of the league. While the rest of the league has started to weigh in, here's what Draymond Green and Steve Nash said earlier today. Yeah, it was, uh, it was sad to, to read. Um, you know, that hasn't been my experience with Robert, uh, but I, I'm obviously very sensitive to you know those. The, Type of situation, so um, you know, it was uh, disappointing that that that's not there. Steve, I, were you when while you were there, did you ever hear of any of that stuff? You know, word traveled around this league like wildfire, so it may not have been my first time hearing the story yesterday, but that's neither here nor there. So, Brian, what do you expect the ripple effect to be across the NBA? You know, I really, you know, a lot of people are going to be touched by this because it's talking about a 17-year span here in Phoenix where, frankly, there's been a lot of turnover here in both players and coaches. So a lot of people have come through this building behind me. Just since Robert Sarver has owned this team, Malika, this building's had five different names. So the reality is, is that there's a lot of people that are trying to digest this right now. But I really think the National Basketball Players Association, they made a statement yesterday and they thought about it all day. They knew about it for a while. And Michelle Roberts, the executive director, even though she's outgoing, she chose not even to put her name on it. She just said, we're, we're sensitive to this, uh, and we're going to let the, the investigation play out. And that is pretty much where everybody is going. Um, this is a different situation than we've seen in situations with, in, with other owners who have had to, to sell their teams under public pressure because this is um, a he said, she said, he said, he said situation. And everybody who I talked to yesterday after reading Baxter Holmes' story pretty much said that exact same thing. A different situation, certainly, but no less serious. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. More from you, I'm sure, as the story continues to develop. So here's a look at the Suns' upcoming schedule. After finishing their five-game homestand on Saturday against the Hawks, they go on the road for four of their next five games. Their stretch with their games against Sacramento and Portland, who've already beaten Phoenix this season. So, we're on the move, guys. Oh, where are we going? We're heading over for the top of oh, the wow. top, the very best place. We get to introduce Tim Legler yeah. to the top of the I'm top. This with you. It is the very best plays, Tim Legler, from around the so association. Excited. So we're going back. We're winding to Thursday night and starting with the top breakthrough. Cade Cunningham started to put it together last night. Okay, CC. He hits oh, that what? deep three-pointer oh, from Shea Gillis Alexander range. Every kid now is going to be just shooting this. How do you guard this? You yeah. can't. Maxie yeah. had a hand up. Yeah. Okay, Maxie. And Maxie's been playing well lately. And, and, and Kate Cunningham, listen, man, number one pick, you feel a lot of pressure right now. So he's he's starting yeah. to come into his own. He's going to get better every night. Yeah. Kate finished with 18 points. So let's move it ahead to the top handles. And let's...
let's start with Jordan okay. Clarkson. Ooh. Dribble display before splash. Gotta give Jordan some love. Look, this man had a 99 game streak. <laughs> he missed a three, and then he had like a like a one oh. for 18 stretch. Bang, but what bang, did bang. he do? Oh, what did he do? D Mitch is out. I got you in Atlanta. Here's a 30 Ooh. piece. That's some James Harden type yeah. stuff right yeah. there. I yeah. mean, Pitter local news organizations might might start to recognize. Oh, uh oh, uh oh, oh my oh. goodness. Okay. Oh my goodness! Crossover on the big fella? Isaiah Stewart! Lord! Oh. Yeah, no respect there. What Bible. a play. If you're late, get your feelings hurt. Yeah, Alright, let's take a look at the top dime. Trey Young, I mean... Mm. They, these dudes. Off oh. the glass to Clint Capella. They haven't been doing this much. There's only a few teams I've ever tried. He was did that a fake like, he did behind the back? Yeah, he oh, was like, that the fake, fake? The fake behind Rondo. That's the back? John Rondo right yeah. there. My goodness. Because once you shoot it, there's you think it's a shot. All right, let's take a look at the top finishes. In Miami, Al Horford. Check uh -oh. this out. He spins out of the double team no, to who finish. Who says he's old? You say it was old, Tim? No, I didn't say he was old, but I will say this. That was you are me. not going to show that You can't say that about anybody. Yeah, yeah. That's not a defensive instructional videotape right there. <laughs> that is. We're not, we're not going to show that one. We uh, also have to take a look. Oh. Ooh, We've been ooh. to this game before. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh! Oh! Through all the traffic. Oh, okay, Lakers fans. we slowed it down, yeah, man. Suck on that, Lakers fans. Oh, wow. Show it. Do you think he put, the league, oh, yeah. he put the league on notice last night? No, no. They, and so unless they're playing the Lakers every game, there is no notice. Richard, enough. We're going to give, we're nice. give, we're yeah, give him that. All right, coming up, we dive deeper into Ben Simmons' wallet, the financial impact of the latest stalemate. What is it like to shoot from 30 plus and know that the ball's going in? One of the best feelings in the world. You worked hard at it. You got all the confidence in the world. You step up, let it go. Curry lines it up. And that's dangerous. How deep are you comfortable shooting in the game? Curry way downtown. Bang! Steph Curry from just inside half court. To be determined. <laughs> Before the dynasty was built, before the Warriors became a feared super team that booked five consecutive trips to the NBA Finals and won three titles in that same span, head coach Steve, Ger Steve Kerr got his group of guys together and preached a mentality that became a rallying cry. Strength in numbers. And after the dynasty was dismantled, at least in part, the Warriors are getting back to those roots. And for more, here's Ramona Shelburne. There are times when you watch the Golden State Warriors when you will only find yourself watching Stephen Curry. Curry, way downtown, bang! Curry is one bad man. And sometimes Curry's brilliance is all the Warriors need to win a game. But the Warriors want to contend for a title again. And to do that, they've gone back to a familiar formula. Strength in numbers. The strength in our team is the numbers. We're not overly reliant on one player. For all the star power at the end of the Warriors dynasty, when Kevin Durant joined in 2016 and created a super team, the beginnings of their reign were more humble. Curry was the headliner who won two MVPs. But the strength of those Warriors teams was in their depth. Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala, Harrison Barnes, Andrew Bogut. The depth eroded over time. Injuries finally caught up to them, Durant left, and eventually Curry had even more on his shoulders. Last season, he nearly carried them to the playoffs anyway. Contributing 35% of Golden State's offense. That was fun to watch, 
but not sustainable. So the Warriors built back their strength and their numbers. Jordan Poole is averaging 16 points a game. Iguodala is back to glue everything together. Andrew Wiggins has filled the role Barnes used to shine in. Draymond Green is the defensive anchor and playmaker. And after over two seasons derailed by injuries, Clay Thompson will be back. I'm just excited to be back on the court, running up and down, jumping, cutting. For NBA history, Curry is still at the top of the league in scoring, but he doesn't have to for the Warriors to win. The Warriors are 5-0 when Steph scores less than 30 points. They're just 1-1 when he scores 30 or more. Because the Warriors are built differently this year. They're built like they used to be. Three, two, one, yeah. All right, let's talk a little bit of Warriors. Zach Lowe, I want to start with you. We just heard Ramona talk about this mentality of strength in numbers. What is the most important piece outside of Steph Curry that you're seeing to this Warriors team this year? I just think it's a continuation of how they finished last season. They have all players now who fit the way they want to play. The thing about the Warriors that's so hard to play is they have a star that's like no other star. Nobody moves around like Steph. We've never had a shooter like Steph, let alone a shooter who moves around like that. Everything flows from that and Draymond Green's passing brilliance. And to make it all work, they need every player on the team to sort of have the feel for when to relocate to the corner, when to cut, when to touch pass, when to give and go. They didn't have that for the first 50 games of last year. Then they found a collection of players that did, and they built upon that in the offseason. Otto Porter plays like that. Bayelitsa plays like that. And on and on. Juan Toscano Anderson. Clay's coming back. They just have a team, an identity that is set, that everyone understands, and that's different from the other 29 teams. You play five teams on a road trip, you come to Golden State, you got to get ready to play an entirely different style, a style that everyone on that team understands. That's hard to do. Absolutely. So the Warriors are taking on the Pelicans tonight on ESPN. Legs, you and I have, have talked off camera a bunch about Jordan Poole. What have you seen from him this season? Well, I think it's a continuation of the end of last year. He just got a lot of confidence in that situation. So coming in with the work he put in this summer, he expected to have significant impact as, as a primary scorer for them. And I look at his numbers, the thing has blown me away. They have three wins this year in which Steph Curry really shot the ball horribly. And they win all three games because Jordan and Poole picks up the slack and averages 24 points a game in that situation. So the depth they now have when they get Klay Thompson back at the guard position and knowing they've got another guy that can put up big numbers on any given night, it takes some of the pressure off of Steph Curry. He looks more comfortable, Jordan Poole, in playing with Steph. Clearly his confidence is off the charts right now, and he's a guy that wants to make an impact. Some of the things he says, he wants to be great in this league, and that hunger is so important in adding to your game, and he clearly has done that. They've got themselves quite a player now in Golden State. Right, and uh, quite some depth that they're starting to build back in Golden State. Richard, you played against some of those strength and numbers teams. Is there anything from the teams you're seeing here in front of us now that reminds you of the teams you played against in those finals runs? Well, I think they have more adults, and that's something that you know was kind of a, a joke going around, is that when they had Wiseman, when they had Toscano, when they had Jordan Poole, all of these young players, they had to learn how to play that brand of basketball that complemented Steph Curry. And you saw the beginning of the year. They focused so much on, like, let's get these guys' experiences, and then all of a 
sudden, once some of those guys got hurt, mainly Wiseman, they're like, all right, we're going back to Team Steph. And Steph put up an MVP quality second half of the season. So I think now they're like, okay, forget this. This is about we're going to maximize Steph. Let's get let, let's get these guys time and experience. You bring in Otto Porter. You bring back Andre Iguodala. Now all of a sudden you start to see that veteran presence that understand movement basketball, and it's taken their team to another level. Absolutely. And Draymond Green told me just the other day that this team, it, in their spirit, it kind of reminds them of that 2000, him of that 2015 Warriors team. So. We'll see. They, they have an interesting schedule coming up. Perhaps they can keep it rolling. All right, coming up on NBA Today, it's America's favorite segment, or at least my favorite segment. It's Chop It or Drop It. Are the Jazz the best team in the NBA? Keep it locked. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We have a developing story in the NBA today after the 76ers had agreed to stop fining Ben Simmons when he told the team on October 22nd that he was mentally not ready to play. The team has resumed fining the three-time All-Star today. Adrian Wojnarowski reported that the team fined Simmons for missing Thursday's game and will continue to fine him until he cooperates with the team doctors on his mental health and fulfills other basketball obligations. So now we're welcoming in senior writer Zach Lowe. Zach, you wrote your 10 things you like, you don't like column. And, and one thing that was in there was point Embiid. What you got? I love Joel Embiid. Without Ben Simmons, he's got to do more distributing. And without Ben Simmons, he has more shooting around them. So there's been a lot of Joel Embiid posting up, sure, just like normal. But there's also been a lot of Joel Embiid at the free throw line, at the elbow, even in the low post, holding the ball up and then just waving people around like an orchestra conductor. Go here, go there. Acting <laughs> almost as a, there he is, point there, the you go there, you go there. And the thing about Embiid is, he's so smart. He's not just talking about the first cut. Like, if the first cutter that he's waving to gets open, that's great. He'll just hit him for a layup. He's thinking two and three steps ahead. You cut here, the defense will go there, a corner shooter will get open. He's reading multiple layers of defense at the same time and basically directing traffic like an oversized point guard, and he's finding his guys for easy baskets. This is a guy who's been turnover prone in his career. This year, he's at five assists a game. That's a career high. That's a lot for a center. His turnovers are at a career low. And his one key ingredient, look, Seth Curry's been unbelievable. He's shooting 70% on twos. Forget the threes. That's ridiculous. Everyone on the team is making shots. And Bean is the only one who's not. He's shooting 41% for him. That's terrible for a center. That's terrible. But he's compensating with his usual incredible defense. I mean, forget it. If you're trying to lay it up around him and you hear his footsteps coming, just throw the ball backward and get out of the way. And this passing, it's been really fun to watch. I, I, I just love the music that was kind of playing in the background the entire time. I can't play violin, but that was my impression of it. 
we're going to welcome back in Legs and RJ and Zach. Are you ready? Because let's, yeah. let's play a little game. Let's play one of our new segments. We're calling it Chop It or Drop It. So I'm going to give you guys some topics, and if you want to discuss it, we're going to chop it up. And if you're not interested, we're going to drop it and move right along. Are you guys ready? Yeah, roll. All right, first up, the Utah Jazz beat the Atlanta Hawks with no Donovan Mitchell in the lineup. Utah is first in the league, 7-1. and one. Chop It or Drop It, Richard. I say we chop it up. There we go. Let's chop it up because I want to give a little bit of love to to Jordan Clarkson. And the reason why uh, Jordan Clarkson, the reason why I want to give him love is because he really struggled the last two games. He didn't play well. He had an 0 for 18 stretch from three. How did he follow up? He goes on the road against an Atlanta team that a lot of people are favoring to do big things. He gives you a 30 ball without Donovan Mitchell. Hear that, Lakers? Sometimes when your star is okay. out, people have to step up. So I want to give a little bit of love Coming to my guy. Rope, Tim. We chopping it or dropping it? I'm chopping it. it. There's nothing right. to add to that. Like a hot potato. It, he covered it. Richard, yeah. you already covered it. Zach, you want to cover it more? Yeah, let's do it. All right. well, did Richard say whether they were the best team in the NBA or not? Don't you have to give an answer? Yes, so Zach, give me. What is the answer? The yes or no? No, they're not the best team in the NBA. They might be the best regular season team in the NBA okay. right now. That's because half the Bucks are hurt. One Nets superstar is out. A Denver superstar is out. A Clippers superstar is out. The Jazz are awesome. Are they the best team? I'm not ready to go there. Well, they've been the best team. We've, we've seen that happen before. All right, let's keep it pushing then. So next, Seth Curry is shooting 61% from the field, 53% from three, and averaging almost 18 a game. The best career numbers from Seth all while in Philly. And it's sitting pretty at the top of the East. So are we going to chop it or drop it, Richard? Drop it. There's nothing else that can be said. Good job for Seth Curry. All right, legs. Oh, no way. I'm chopping that up. All right, let's do it. We're talking about shooting. Here's why it's so important what he's doing right now. Look, the the problem with the Sixers for the last couple years has been late game possessions, getting quality possessions, getting quality looks. Seth Curry is now a viable option to put into a two-man game and create offense for himself. He had a game winner a few days ago. And the way he's shooting the ball right now, the confidence he's playing with, it gives them an answer in tight games, which has been, without question, their, their Achilles heel for the last three years. All right, Zach, I, I heard peeps, so are we chopping it or dropping it? Let's, let's chop it, and let's right. for a second just realize that Daryl Morey, in one of his first acts as Sixers president or GM or whatever the heck his title is, traded Josh Richardson for Seth Curry and two second-round picks, I think. Where would the Sixers be without that trade? Mm. Think about how impactful a little trade like that ends up being. He's averaging 18 a game. They'd be dead in the water without him and without Ben Simmons right now. There you go. So next, the Raptors are officially back in the six this season and are winners, winners of their last five games, all without starter Pascal Siakam. So are we chopping it or dropping it, Tim? I'm chopping this up because here's why. The Toronto Raptors a year ago kind of just disappeared. We stopped talking about them. And now they're reminding you mainly of this. Nick Nurse was the best coaches in the NBA. And he last year we weren't talking about this team whatsoever. They had relocated. They had a lot of issues going, a lot of injuries dealing with. I think a lot of people thought maybe the Raptors being relevant in the East, like that had passed us by. And I'm not saying this team's going to the finals or the conference finals, but they are definitely a relevant team once again in the East. And they've got a big one this weekend with Brooklyn, which would be a great barometer game to see exactly where Toronto is. Okay. All right. So, Richard? I'm going to say drop it. There's not much more you can say after what Tim just said. Good job, Timothy. Thanks, Zach? Chop it. Don't drop it. Zach is just chopping everything today. Look. 
they are they are a pain to play against just a ferocious defensive team a bunch of big wing type guys who can switch everything Fred Van Vliet, a lot of minutes for Fred Van Vliet. He played 43 there tonight. That's something to watch. Kem Burch off the bench has been huge. Scotty Barnes might be the favorite for Rookie of the Year right now. They are just no picnic to play against. And like you said, they haven't got Pascal Siaka back. OG Ananobi looks like he's making a leap. People should watch the Raptors. They're fun to watch. Let's take a look at our fuel for our future Chop It or Drop It's because next week's NBA Wednesday doubleheader features the top two picks in the 2021 NBA draft going head to head. That is Cade Cunningham and the Pistons taking on Jalen Green and the Rockets. And then we'll take you to Staples Center for Jimmy Butler and the East leading Heat taking on LeBron, AD, Russell Westbrook and the Lakers. I'll be on that game on the sidelines. Our coverage starts with NBA County down at 7 Eastern. Coming up next, the Bucks and the Knicks go toe-to-toe -to -toe tonight on ESPN. We break down how the Knicks can slow down Giannis. Stay tuned. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. You're watching NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. Oh, I get it now. You came to get some camera time. <laughs> Giannis, Euro step and a lefty hook off the glass and in. Another pretty move by the Greek freak. Woo, I'm out there. I'm out. Woo! Come on. I gotta start shooting now. I gotta make some shots. I'm not 25 no more, I'm 26 now. Good gracious Giannis! That old school. Throw it off the glass and go get it. Woo, that's cash. Cash money. Not 25 no more, 26 now, I feel you, Giannis. All right, one key to tonight's game will be the Knicks' ability to keep Giannis out of the paint. Giannis ranks fourth in paint scoring this season after being top three each of the last five seasons. The Knicks, meanwhile, have allowed the fifth fewest paint points per game this season. With more breakdown, let's get into this just a little bit. So, yeah. Richard. Yes. What, what, what are you watching for in this game? What am I watching for? Honestly, I, I think the Knicks have, have they're in a position to make a jump, right? Mm -hmm. in my, in, like they're in a position where they got they got over the hump, they got to the postseason. But these are some of the wins that you have to get, right? right? You're going to go against Giannis. You're going to be they're going to be shorthanded. You know, Chris Middleton, Drew Hall, all these guys are going to be missing time. This is the time to beat the Bucks. This is when you got to maximize it. So, so let's just talk that through about without Chris Middleton slowing down Giannis. Just talking it through, what's that going to look like? Look, obviously you need to put bodies in front of him and load the paint up because he basically attacks you like a center with a hand. That's how he's going to beat you. But it's more than just, oh, we got to throw extra bodies in the paint. The key is how you rotate out of that to shooters. You can't make mistakes on the kickouts. And, and this is a perfect example right here. And good job getting bodies in the paint, but you have to stay there and fully commit. You see how that last backline defender did not come all the way over to the block, and he's going to gut you and get to the get to the line for a three-point play. But here's what I'm talking about. When you, even when you do it right and you get four bodies in the paint, you can't have two guys chase the first pass coming out of there because now you end up with catch-and-shoot opportunities for role players. Look, Giannis can make plays as a passer. He won't beat you as a passer. 
but you can't make those kind of mistakes. So when you load up on the paint to prevent him from gutting you, when that ball comes out, you have got to be on point with who's got the first pass, and then on the second one, there'll be another guy rotating. So Connaughton's of the world and guys like that aren't standing out there taking practice shots. Grayson Allen, you've right. got to make those guys put it down, particularly without Middleton, your other offensive creator, not on the floor. Yeah, and just to add to that, like to, to give you a little bit of confirmation, some of the teams that they have lost to in the postseason, Miami, you don't ever wonder about Miami's rotations. Right. You don't Good ever point. wonder. You don't ever wonder about the Toronto Raptors' rotations. Mm. Those teams are so well coached. So when they make that stop on Giannis, those rotations are already moving. So that is a key way to slowing down Giannis and the Bucks. Okay. So let's let's bring in Zach Lowe here to go a little bit more on the other side. Zach, let's talk about the Knicks a little bit. What has impressed you? That has made you think that do they have a chance at executing what what our friends Tim Legler and Richard Jefferson are talking about here? Yeah, I think they do. And look, overall, they haven't even had that great of a season so far. They've lost a couple games in a row. They need to get their mojo back. But this is a good test for Julius Randle defensively, who hasn't quite looked as mobile and quick as he did last season. But as far as what's impressed me, look, their depth is as advertised. Their second unit's been a little hit or miss, but it's generally really good. And R.J. Barrett, last four or five games, has been their best player after a slow start. He's making a lot of shots. If they can just lock everyone into place, get everyone playing decently at the same time, this is a team that's 10 or 11 deep. They'll get better defensively. They're a Tibbs team. Offensively, I think they're third right now overall. That's super encouraging. Fournier and Kemba Walker have fit right in. This is a deep, deep team. And tonight, look, you've lost a couple games in a row. Giannis doesn't have his, his co-stars. You should win this game. Yeah. Just your, your favorites. Go win it. Absolutely. And you can see the Knicks and the Bucks in the first game of our Friday night doubleheader right here on ESPN and the app at 7.30 Eastern, followed by Pelicans and Warriors. And our coverage gets started at 7 Eastern with NBA Countdown. I'm excited. I'm going to be here. <laughs> uh, I am. I am. I'm